0: speaking a, of providence it's a slow read it's reformation week oh we just go we jump into that yeah it's, i was still in the middle
1: of our book conversation
0: well we have a podcast to record so let's my get to bad. business
1: yeah happy reformation week everybody hey, 500 years Five hundred years.
0: that's awesome it's insane shout yes. out to martin luther and my man john calvin anybody else uh-huh. i love those guys except for all like the weird skeletons that people find in their closet this time of year <laughs> yeah apparently there's Luke, a few, there's a few it of them gets a little uncomfortable it, it can i
1: only recently learned that luther was a raving anti-semite at the end of yeah. his life yeah you read that article too and then, well i read the article and it's come up in a couple yeah. other books i'm reading yeah, yeah. and
0: that, then john calvin <laughs> killed that one guy <laughs> yeah sorry just the subtle drop <laughs> and then another handful of scholarly <laughs> sources <laughs> upon which i peruse no, no, from it was time a, to time no, there's a Yep. Far side cartoon. <laughs> oh, Gary, yeah. Gary
1: Larson knew. It's like, how did I miss out on this? It's weird. It's great. It's a weird phase of his career.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's... Everybody's got their skeletons. That's a sad thing about church history to me, though, yeah. is it's like so many great things, and then some things you're kind of
1: like, ugh. You know? Do you read the one about Carl Bart? apparently had a decades-long affair yeah. with... That was yeah. weird. His theology was already pretty jacked up anyway, yeah. but... So, Rusty, tell us about your secret sins.
0: Wait, <laughs> that's
1: that's well, actually what this episode what is. What do we need to
0: know? <laughs> well, first of all...
1: Well, hey, everybody. Season 2, Episode 7, One Hour a Week Podcast. I'm Jared Hollier. That guy over there is Rusty Mott. What's happening? And we are honored privileged, and in all other ways overjoyed today. So have a very special guest. Uh, What is your title here, by the way? Associate Pastor. Associate Pastor, Jack of all trades, Master of none, wearer of many hats at Trout Creek Baptist Church in Kirbyville. Trout Creek, I should say. Uh, Josh Fultz. Hey, everybody. How's it going? That's a good-looking beard, Josh. Thank you, sir. Pride myself in it. (laughs) With one (laughs) smattering of applause from Rusty. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to know. I appreciate it. We are recording this from the confines of Trout Creek Baptist Church. So thanks, Josh, for meeting us here, opening up your facilities, letting us hang out. No problem. Share a sonic drink. You got it. Uh, How are things going
2: at Trout Creek? Going good. Going good. Uh, Things are well. Um,
1: Can't grab. You geeked up for the Reformation 500 years? Y'all got big plans?
2: 500 years, yeah. We are going to have a, uh, we're all going to dress up like hobos and have a big pot of soup. That's our, <laughs> that's, that's, that's our Reformation party. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Sounds
1: like fun. It's a great it's night. Incredible. It I is. didn't know if maybe you were going to nail some things to the door. Or, I don't know. We might. We'll see. We don't want to get too jazzed up. Well, so, Josh, we have you here uh, on this episode to talk apologetics. We've been, uh, you and I have talked a lot about it in the past. It, I consider you a good friend. Do you consider me a good friend? Absolutely. Oh, thanks. We uh we talk about theology. We watch our kids play soccer together. We do. We uh most importantly, probably the linchpin of our
0: friendship is we
1: play Pokemon Go
0: together. Literally, you just would have had to be here. We walked in the door and I'm like, Hello Josh, how's it going, man? And he just walked right past me, holding up his phone to Jared <laughs> no. to show him about it. And it's not even a Pokemon that they caught. No. It's somebody else caught it and they're excited about it. So i mean it's hard to be it's hard to be this cool i know yeah <laughs> it is it is i don't know how you guys do it we pull uh, it off somehow i aspire to be in that realm my one favorite day. reaction from people is like yeah they see they'll catch me because i try to be secretive
1: about oh, it. oh yeah <laughs> they catch me and they're like that's still around <laughs> like that's still a that thing was, people still do that so 2015 right there <laughs> and here we are uh it's a good outreach so when we're not you know exactly catching shiny pikachus <laughs> We're talking about theology and stuff, and we want to talk to you today, Josh, about apologetics. That is uh, a passion of yours right in your wheelhouse, and so we wanted to have you on to talk about why it's important, how we can get started in it. And so let's start with this. Why is apologetics so important to you? How did you get started in it, and why is it uh, such a passion of yours?
2: Yeah, well, for me, I um, you know, I grew up in a church, was, was a pastor's kid, which is, sometimes I consider that a horrible title to have because yeah. uh, there's somebody. There's a reputation that goes with that, that pastor's kid. Um, but grew up in the church uh, as a – I was kind of always kind of that kid that just liked to ask questions. And uh, sometimes with those questions, there were just answers that weren't really that good. Um, I, I didn't find them satisfactory in a way. And so I would ask questions and kind of move on, and so some doubt started kind of forming in my mind. I went to college, went to East Texas Baptist University, uh, Christian University. And while I was there, started to wrestle with thoughts and, you know, going to college, whether it's a secular university or a Christian university, um, you just get exposed to a lot of new ideas. And so I would, you know, think about things, especially I was a psychology major, so there was just um, a lot of new things that I was thinking about. And that started some doubts in my mind. And so my four years at ETBU, were filled with a lot of good things god was growing me in a certain respect but then it was filled with a lot of doubts too so i, I finished up at etbu i had no idea about apologetics never heard of it before which even is after sad.
1: four years at a baptist university four
2: years at a baptist university and i probably took wow. uh maybe four religion classes there because it's required yeah um i never the last thing i wanted to do was become a pastor that was at the bottom of my of my list you know and uh and so finished up there Enrolled at University of Texas in Tyler and was still struggling, because now I'm in a secular university studying psychology, and I was just bombarded with a lot of ideas. And uh, one day I went to a Christian bookstore, went to good old Lifeway, and uh, picked up a book um, that was relevant to the stuff that I was struggling with. I started reading that and started realizing, oh my goodness, there are answers to some of the questions that I have. And so that was just, that point on was just a huge journey. I would drive back and forth to Tyler and just listen to book after book after book. What was audio. that book you picked up? The first book I picked up was The Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel. Okay. And uh, after I finished that, I just started, whatever I could get my hands on, I started reading. And uh, for me, it was such a, a turn in my life because it's hard to be an effective Christian if you aren't sure what you believe. It's hard to be an effective Christian if you're like a, you know, a beach ball bouncing from wave to wave in the ocean with just no anchor point. And so uh, so starting to get some of these answers from me just really turned the, the tide in my life. And so from then on, it became a passion for me because I know there's so many other people out there that have questions, um, but they just kind of s- stuff them down and don't deal with them or just feel like maybe they can't get answers to those questions.
0: That kind of brings us to kind of our first question. It's kind of a, a multifaceted question, but yeah. you've kind of already touched on it. So why do we even bother with apologetics? What's Why do, should the average believer – be concerned with it and i would roll that into this other one that says what's wrong with the old saying if the bible says it i believe it and that's the way it is which by the way we would all three affirm that sure that, that is true if the yeah. bible says it that does make it true so why should we go further and engage in apologetics why is that important for us as believers
2: yeah and i think that's true if you're a christian right um the bible settles it and i believe it is absolutely great if you're a believer. But if you're outside the faith and you don't believe the Bible, well, it really doesn't mean anything to you. And so I think there's a lot of people that are looking for reasons to believe or have questions or are seeking, and just the Bible says it isn't going to... Really amount to anything for them yeah. So wh- so let's kind of backtrack a little bit And just introduce the topic of what is apologetics Where do we even get that term Because the term itself can kind of be confusing Right. Like, like oh I'm sorry I'm a Christian I'm sorry I'm a Christian I don't mean to be I actually had a lady ask me that one time She's like what are you going to school for And I was like Christian apologetics And she's like you apologizing for being a Christian right. And <laughs> I was like to well, make up for the yeah, crusades Yeah, so. yeah we,
0: <laughs> we've got a little a few black marks on our history That we need to deal with For sure just word uh, association When I hear apologetics I immediately think Apologize I immediately think one republic i immediately think yeah. timberland which then takes me to jt's greatest album <laughs> and then it's just it's just
2: a downhill slide from there um so yeah so what is apologetics right um comes from first peter 3 15 right sanctify the lord in your heart always be ready to give an answer um, for the hope that you have, and that word "answer" in the Greek is the fancy word "apologia," which means defense. And so that's where we get our word apologetics—to um, give a defense. And there, could, you can be an apologist for anything—for you know, if Pokemon tacos, Christianity, <laughs> whatever you want to be. Um, all of those. All two of, out of are, two are, you, out three. I kind of am for all three. Two out of right? three. Uh, and so apologetics is just um, defending uh, a worldview or a belief system. Um, so why should we study apologetics? Well, for one, it's a biblical. Concept right? Um, Peter says, "Give an answer. Be ready. Give a defense. Yeah. Always be ready, in season and out of season." Um, I think when you look at the life of Jesus and the apostles, I mean, what was the function of miracles? Um, they were an apologetic for who Jesus was as Messiah. Mm. Um, and so, I think first, it's just a biblical concept. We should be prepared. We should be ready to give a defense if God says do it. We should be willing to to do it. Um, I feel like apologetics, though, is the a lot of people feel like it's mostly a, an evangelistic tool. I think first and foremost, it's for Christians um, to, to know what they believe, to have a foundation of their faith. And I feel like this is really somewhere that we have lapsed in churches today and just in teaching is, uh, you know, I, I get, I'll get on my soapbox for a second. I get frustrated when I go to a Christian bookstore and 80% of it is self-help yeah. Christianity, you yeah. know. Um, now, do we need practical studies? Sure, absolutely. We need all that. But I feel like if we don't have some meat here, if we don't have an understanding of what we believe, um, it's, it's easy to get off track. And so, especially amongst youth, I mean, the, the, the retention rate of kids that you, you guys know this, that graduate, um, from high school and leave the church, I feel like that's sort of an unpaid bill of the church that we're not equipping our youth to to get out there and ask these hard questions and wrestle with things and, um, and deal with what they need to deal with when it comes to the, the Christian faith. So first, I feel like it's for us as Christians to know what we believe, um, why else should we study apologetics? Uh, well, again, there's the lost, right? People that – I mean, there's so many people that have questions. And some people aren't seekers. Um, some people, they just want to pick a fight with you and, you know, Jesus says, "Dust, o- knock the dust off your sandals yeah. and go to the next town. But I think there are people that legitimately have questions. And as Christians, we can't know all the answers, but we should at least be able to point them in the right direction.
0: Um, I think that's a really interesting differentiation there between apologetics as a, oh yeah culture, Yeah, we are right. Yeah. And I think even when I've thought apologetics, and obviously knowing Josh and knowing that that's kind of your wheelhouse, humble guy, uh, enjoy visiting with you, never come off that way when we're talking. But when i think apologetics most of the time i think i i do think that person who is going into google to give a keynote into the yeah. den of wolves to be like yeah. oh yeah well let me tell you this gotcha where where really I, I like that you said there there are so many people who are genuinely asking yeah. questions and if you've ever been in that situation even as pastors we can all relate to that sure when people are asking us questions sometimes they're questions that we're like well uh yeah. jesus the Bible says it, I believe it. That's the way yeah, it says so it. You just have to have faith, you know, which obviously we're not belittling again, but yeah. 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 I think so. I think people have so
2: many good questions, and, and Christians and non Christians alike. Um, a lot of people, their, their barrier to God is emotional, or it's, you know, there's some anger there, or. Um, they just don't want to have anything to do with the Christian faith. But I think there are people that legitimately have intellectual blocks to Christianity. And I think as Christians, we should be able to engage um, in, at an intellectual level. Now, of course, you know, not everybody has time to read 40 books a year. I get that. We're all busy people. Um, but we can take some time, and we can we can do some digging and do some looking. And,
1: well, let's talk about some of those intellectual blocks. When it comes to – let's take a non-believer for example um, – what are some of the most common difficulties that non-believers have with Christianity? What are some of the, yeah, the most common arguments they have for why Christianity is not valid? Is it I think everybody agrees that Jesus was a person who existed in the Middle East two thousand years ago. Yeah. So is it the miracles? Is it the scripture? Is it atheism altogether, that the existence of God? What are the ones that we see most often? yeah, and
2: it's and it's it's so different because it's it's interesting to see the things that are blocks to different people, you know, um, and so I think it's a, a long list of, of what are those intellectual blocks, but I think some of the more common ones are some of the ones that you listed. Um, is the Bible valid? I mean, is, is this actually – can we believe this? Is this actually inspired by God? Um, or is this just a book that was written by a bunch of guys, um, some ancient literature that is completely outdated? Um, and especially with our culture being where it's at, um, you look at the Bible, it's really countercultural, sure. right? Um, and so there's this whole issue of ethics today versus ethics back then. Uh, it's it's intention a lot I feel like in people. Uh, so there's there's is the Bible valid? I would say that most people would say that Jesus existed. Although there has been a, a tide lately of um, how can we really know that Jesus even existed, really? which is which is absurd to me. Um, no no historical even secular historical scholars really doubt the existence of Jesus. Um, but was he? crucified, did he actually rise from the dead? Um, I feel like our modern society really wants to cast a lot of doubt on anything miraculous. It's, it's ruled out from the start uh, because all we want to appeal to is, is scientific data. And well, how do you test that, you know? Um, everybody else who has died has stayed dead. And so it seems like this really extraordinary, unbelievable thing that somebody could have power over the grave like Jesus did. Uh, so just the anything miraculous in general, I think, is ruled out. And then to me, I think the most damning argument against Christianity is just the problem of evil and suffering, of, you know, why do, yeah, why do bad it, things happen? Right. And that's – I mean, that's – even for Christians, I feel like that's difficult to wrestle with. And that's where the apologetics
1: would need to come in for the Christian. We need to know how to answer those questions.
2: Right. For ourselves as well as for, you know, people that are outside the faith asking, you know, if God's all-powerful and if God's all-loving – And if he's all good. And if he's all good, well, why does he let – little kids die from leukemia right. or get sick or whatever the case is.
1: Or a hurricane sit over our area for a week and rain 60 and inches.
2: pound us for, yeah. yeah, for days like that. That's, um, I think these are questions that people, people have. And they're deep and they're hard questions and they sort of make you sit back and reflect. And sometimes, you know, I think sometimes doing apologetics, there's this balance with asking questions and you having doubts a little bit as you work through these. And I think that's uncomfortable. For some people to to want to engage in and deal with,
1: yeah, because I don't I don't want to doubt the thing that I've staked my whole future on, and honestly, as a pastor, my whole life, I mean, right, everything that I am is wrapped up in the fact that the Bible is true and Jesus is true and Christianity is true, and so if I start pressing into those doubts, then the question is, well, what if what if those doubts are valid? Yeah. What if I find out that I'm that yeah.
0: I'm fooled, that I'm the dummy? Are y'all all familiar all with the classic nickel creek song doubting thomas i don't think i am i can't say that i am to go home and listen to it. it'll change a your life never mind no, I started <laughs> he thought about but, it but there's, there's like there's there. a line there's a line that says uh, can i be used to help others find truth when i'm scared i'll find proof that it's a lie yeah and i remember i remember True. a time going back to college age where that line messed me up yeah. for a while i was like you know, going to Bible college, and I was like, well, you know, because, again, trying to press into some of those doubts and what that looks like. Um, seriously, check that song out. I think, I think yeah. you'll like it. Well, that.
1: Josh said to me before, and I don't know if you remember saying this or if it's something you say all the time, but it really impacted me. It stuck with me. Uh, but something you said was that when it comes to apologetics, it's okay for us to not go looking for proof to back up what we believe. But he said, "Just go looking for the truth." And the good thing for Christians is, if you go looking for truth, you're going to find Jesus because Jesus said, "I am the way and the truth and the life." So it's not that we need to go into apologetics like stocking up ammo for the next time we're in an argument. Like we need to be people who are seeking after the truth. Because let's say, you know, worst case scenario that it that we are fooled and that Christianity isn't real, wouldn't we want to know that? Yeah. Why would
2: you want to live a lie for the rest of your life? And uh, and I think that's something that. Lost people need to know as well, unbelievers need to know as well, that we're not just stuck, got our heads stuck in the sand, entrenched in these beliefs, um, that we have asked these questions and we have landed here because mm-hmm. we feel like the the evidence rests here and we're, we're comfortable with that. And so, I mean, and sure, there are some Christians that it was good enough for my grandma, I just believe it, and that's fine. If that's the, the degree of their faith, that's fine. But I want to be somebody that has looked at the evidence and said, You know what this is really compelling this is where i have to I have to end up and I think if when you're there it's a whole lot easier to share your faith with other people because you genuinely believe it i mean you're opening you're open to listening to what they have to say as well and to engage their questions and not be be scared of it
1: is it kind of the a lot of the exposure of apologetics though is not here's how to find truth, but here's how to win the argument. Here's the, yeah. he, like Rusty was saying earlier, here's the gotcha techniques yeah. that you can use. I mean, is it even fair to call that apologetics?
2: Yeah, well, I think that's just a, a problem in our society at large. That's, that we like to win arguments. Yeah, everybody. I don't care, you know, who you are, if a sports fan, um, uh, your religious beliefs, your political affiliation. Everybody wants to be right, and yeah. sure, we want to be right. I mean, nobody wants to be wrong. But I think as Christians we have to listen to other people as well. And if you're not willing to listen and actually talk to them and engage with them, well, they're not going to take you. They're not going to want to have this conversation with you, you know. And uh, I really like – there's a guy by the name of Greg Kokel, and he says this. He says, when I'm talking to somebody that's not a Christian, he said, I'm not out to win an argument. He said, my goal is to put a pebble in their shoe – and have them walk all day long on that little nugget that I gave them, that little thought, and just to cause them enough agitation where they go home and they're just thinking about this. And he said, maybe somewhere down the line they ask another question and they keep going. And I feel like that's really the task of an apologist, of a Christian, is to just put a little rock in somebody's shoe and it's just kind of an annoyance to them. And uh, they, keep, they keep seeking and asking.
0: I like that idea you brought up a couple of minutes ago about apologetics being our shirt's our search for truth easy for me to say yeah Uh, that in a a culture with all kinds of noise and all kinds of distractions that for the believer apologetics is not just something that we use just for the defense of the faith but it's for the defense of our faith right and that uh, the the phrase that came to my mind is that apologetics isn't just a recreational hobby in the christian life but it's really a responsibility for the christ follower to be able to say Here's why I stand here. Yes. Um, and that, that's just making me think of a lot of different things. So it's already been very helpful for me. Yeah. Do you,
1: do you think that it helps with, kind of with devotional life?
0: Um, I think so.
2: I think, um, and of course, you know, devotional life sometimes is a, is a challenge for us all. Um, but again, I think when you start asking questions, the Bible opens up to you in a whole new way. Um, when you, because you know you can you can be passive in your reading and just read something. Well, I read my Bible for the day. It's done. Check, um, check, check the box, put it back on the shelf, and go out the door. But when you really start asking questions, well, why did Jesus do this? Um, why did, why did, what's up with this parable? Why did the apostles go here? You know, you read uh, one of my favorite stories uh, is where where Paul goes to Mars Hill in Acts seventeen, and it's just a it's just an apologist delight, right? Um, and, and he witnesses to these people you do you start opening up yourself to a lot more questions and so i do i think it's a beneficial beneficial thing to your to your devotion a lot as a
1: as a pastor and a church leader so we talked last week with scott moody and he said that before a pastor stands up to deliver a sermon we asked him what would you say to a 30 year old scott moody and he said more than preparing the sermon you need to prepare the preacher yeah which I, we th- I suppose
0: kind of could have dropped the mic yeah he dropped the mic without saying drop the mic in (laughs) that moment so as a
1: pastor and a church leader and you work with students here and you lead uh you still lead recovery groups here right you're still involved in that ministry so how has apologetics made you not just better equipped to give a defense but better equipped to minister to those people
2: yeah i'm gonna um pull from a quote from andy stanley oh we quote him a lot yeah, yeah he he said this he said um Every time you step into a pulpit or, you know, you're given a, a devotional or a Sunday school lesson, he said, always assume that there's somebody in your audience. And he gives this, this long backstory of a family that's at home and they have a 14-year-old son, and he is just on the, the brink of just walking away from the faith entirely, just so close to being done. He said, always assume that that kid is in your audience um, when, you're, when you're talking, preaching, teaching, whatever the, whatever the case is. And, and that's true. You never know who's struggling with with what. And so, you know, apologetics isn't just um, bullet points and just laying out a, a rock solid case. You know, sometimes it's just incredibly simple. And it's just a reminder that what we believe as Christians is strong. It's good. There's a great foundation um, for, for what's there. And so I think just to uh, be reminded that on any given day, you never know who's struggling or having doubts or... Insecurities in their faith, and sometimes it it may be us, you know, um, ourselves that are that are having those doubts, and uh, and so you know all that I feel like ties into devotional life from day to day.
1: Well, yeah, because when it comes to start, you can string together those arguments and reasons and logic, and you can win the argument and lose the person. Absolutely,
2: and that's and that's the last thing you want, you know. And I and I feel like part of that too is making sure that you're hearing other people and not just wanting to hear yourself talk or to win an argument
1: have you ever been engaged in like an ongoing conversation week to week month to month long term with somebody with these kinds of questions where you have to say you know i don't know but i'll I'll find out and come back yeah and,
2: and i think that's i think it's an interesting um reminder is as christians if we don't know an answer to a question it is perfectly okay to say you know what that's a really good question i don't have any idea let me go do some reading and you do some reading, and we'll meet back together, and we'll and we'll talk about this. And uh, yeah, I have. I've had ongoing conversations. Some of them have gone well, and then I've had conversations too where I've just completely blown it, and the door was slammed shut. You know, and that's frustrating um, because you do you want to see everybody come to know Christ and come to see life your way, but it just doesn't it doesn't always happen that
0: way, right? Um, unfortunately. So. Thinking about apologetics, I think we tend to generally see, and I know a lot of pastors listen to this podcast, uh, a lot of very influential people. Just kidding. <laughs> a, a lot of Drop pastors a key, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that I don't want to do that because if I don't say their name, they're going to be like, hey, man, why, are, why aren't we influential? But thinking about ministry and those of us who are vocational in ministry, right. I think oftentimes we kind of have the perspective that, or at least our church members have the perspective that we are the apologists. Yeah. How often have you had a church member come up to you and say, hey, what do I tell this guy? Or, hey, can you come talk to them? Can, could you do this? How do we kind of get past that? Because we also do have a lot of lay leaders in the church who right. are not vocational ministers who will be listening to this. So how can we encourage them to start owning apologetics for themselves?
2: Yeah, and I think this is huge. Um, there's an old saying, if, I think they have this right, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. Um,
1: Pretty sure that Scott, Scott said, Scott said, that, said last that last week. week. Oh, yeah? yeah. Um, amazing. He flipped it around. He said that if it's foggy in the pulpit, there's gonna, at least a mist in the
2: pew. Yeah, it, exactly. And so I think for uh, for pastors, um, first it has to be important for us, and we have to take ownership of this if we're going to sell it to, to to other people, right? Um, if it's not important to us, it's not going to be important to, to them. Uh, so I think... Some of this is going to be just generating some excitement here, and I feel like this is one thing that church lacks. And I know y'all probably read studies and stuff where uh, the American church appeals more to women than it does to men. It's more effeminate. There's more emotion there, which I'm great with emotion. Well, forget I mean,
1: the studies. Just look at a Sunday morning.
2: Yeah, look at a yeah. Sunday morning, and I'm great with emotion. Every time I watch The Lord of the Rings, I have to cry, you know, so I'm fine with that. But –
0: but, don't y'all I f- both look at me? What? <laughs> just because I'm listen, I'm a Lord of the Rings guy. Just because I don't like Pokemon doesn't I just, mean I was you know. waiting for something snarky. I was like, yeah. Um
2: but <laughs> I feel like if we bring in an intellectual side to Christianity into our churches, I wonder if it might attract more guys to church. I feel like that's just a void in church. Period, and so some of it is going to be um, doing some studies, doing some some com- having some conversations, just like we're having tonight. What is apologetics? Why do you need it? Where can you start looking? Um, where do we see this in Scripture? You know, um, preaching those passages that are that are heavily um, uh, apologetic um, laden. You know, and. Um, Creating a culture, showing people the need for evangelism. I think we get so busy in our day-to-day lives that we forget that there's a lot of people. And, you know, we talk about we don't want people to go to hell. Sure, we don't want people to go to hell. But also, there's so many people in our culture that are just struggling day-to-day because they haven't been exposed or experienced what Christianity um, brings to the table. And some people call apologetics pre-evangelism. Uh, in other words, it's pre-evangelism, and it's removing all of these obstacles that keep people from coming to Christ. Wow. So you can come in and plant the seeds of the, of the gospel, and people will then have a receptive heart and yeah. mind to hear it. You know.
1: That's I read a John good. Piper sermon, uh, that passage in John, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman and says that God's seeking people to worship in spirit and truth. And Piper pointed out that uh, what Jesus is talking about is that people would worship with their head and their heart. That Absolutely. there would be intellect and emotion. And so, like you said, we do often get emotion heavy and leave out that intellect side. So help us out then. If we want to get started in apologetics, um, you mentioned Lee Strobel earlier. Yeah. Uh, What are some other ways that, you know, maybe some entry-level books to read, podcasts to listen to, Bible studies to do? What are some simple things we can do to get started in this
2: yeah um some entry-level books and you know of course there's so many different authors and so many books um least only give us the good ones only give you the top the top of the top notch uh least trouble is great he has i think four four books out um and they're they're real readable they're real easy to understand um he's great i'm a big fan of william lane craig he has an entry-level book called um On guard, which is really good. There's a few chapters that'll make your brain hurt. They make my brain hurt. Um, But that's okay. It's okay to be stretched a little bit. That's really good. Um, I think for any Christian, there's a book by Greg Kokel called Tactics. And it's just how to engage people and and how to have conversations with people. Um, Not worry about winning the argument, but just to, you know, when you're in line at the grocery store and you notice this lady has on a piece of jewelry with an interesting symbol uh, tell me about the necklace that you're wearing is it have any religious significance to you people want to talk and they want to talk about themselves and so you know being able to have a conversation like that that's a great book the classic um, evidence that demands a verdict was just re-released i think two weeks ago updated by sean and josh McDowell. really good um, and i could go on and on about books there's a website it's the poached egg I can't remember if it's dot .org or dot .net. Is that a Lewis reference? It is. It's a C.S. Lewis reference, and it is just an apologetics hub where you can go. Um, you can s- search uh, all kinds of different topics. It's really good. There's also a website called gotquestions.com, yeah. and uh, you can search there. Um, they have a lot of good articles as well. Uh, podcast, I listen to uh, the Reasonable Faith podcast, which is William Lane Craig. It's really good. Um, Ravi Zacharias has a podcast called Let My People Think, and his ideas are a little, you know, they're kind of a stretch sometimes, uh, but he's a good speaker, real engaging, and I think a lot of people would enjoy um, what, what he has to offer. Um, I could go on and on about books. Is that, no, that's,
0: uh,
1: yeah, is that you,
2: that's enough to get us started? Another yeah. one
1: you turned me on to was William Lane Craig. I, I think you told me it was a small group or a Sunday school class he leads, the yes, Defenders podcast. Defenders. And it's, I guess they're just recording his Sunday school class. And they do. It they out record
2: there. his Sunday school class, and he's going through you know all the Christian doctrines um, from Christology all the way you know the doctrine of Christ, Um all the way to you know um, prophecy and end time events, and I think they're on their third year. And he just goes through it. It takes him, I think, like three years to get through um, one section of it. But it's it's super rich. It's um. So if you search Defenders on uh, your podcast app, you'll be able to find that as well.
1: You ever watch any of those debates that are on YouTube? It's like William Lane Craig and an I,
2: atheist. Or... I do. I enjoy those. Do you? I do. Um. He's. I enjoy. He's just a good debater. Uh. He's just a top notch debater, and his ideas are. He's. he's He's strong in what he believes. I like but.
1: that he's smart, but he's not so smart. Like I can listen to him.
2: Yeah, and he's not snarky either. Right. He's real. Um. Because I've seen him in debates where just you know his opponent is just really just being a jerk, and right. he just takes the high road, and it's just like oh you know okay, um, Jesus loves you, and we're just going to keep on doing this doing this debate. Um, but yeah, he's really good to watch. If you get on YouTube, there's a lot of a lot of good good debates there.
0: Yeah. So where can we find resources from you? I know you blog. I, I know we talked about that. I don't know if you've been blogging recently, but you do have a a blog. Where can we find it?
2: Yeah, it's. I don't even know if it's still up right now, I'm sad to say. It's. Uh, I, that's something I'm thinking about getting back into, but I haven't yeah. had a whole, lot of, a whole lot of time. So it used to be at joshfultz.com. Uh, real creative, I know. Uh, hmm. So maybe one day it'll – How'd you come uh, up with that? No, I'm kidding. Know, <laughs> <laughs> let my
0: parents do it like 30-something 30, 30 yeah, years ago. yeah yeah well uh if you do get back into that we'll check it out and uh i'm gonna go to it and if it says url not available we'll know but we're gonna if snatch you, it up and sell it back yeah, to you <laughs> that's <for> right <laughs> millions of dollars Sorry. uh man you are always welcome to drop a, a guest blog post on the hour a week uh, we'd love to have you there but if you do get back up and go and let us know and we'll share that link so sure, these thanks. listeners can find you and listen to what's you.
1: your twitter handle uh Twitter, I
0: think
2: it's Josh underscore. No, it's Josh Fultz. There it is. Josh Fultz.
0: F U L T S Josh, Fultz. F-U-L-T-S. There it
2: Josh
1: is. Fultz. I'm at Jared Holyer. I'm at Bro Rusty Mott. Bro Rusty Mott. Be sure and follow our friend Pat Overstreet at Is This Pado. Is this Pado? I think it is. Is this
0: Pado? Follow us at Our A Week Pod. Shoot us an email. Yeah. Our a Week Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Josh, thanks, man. Hey, it was it was great to be here. I enjoyed
1: it. It was fun. Always enjoy hanging out with you. Uh, Rusty is gonna find his own ride back home because you and I have some Pokemons to Let's catch. Do it. It's Sorry. too
0: late to apologize. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> Gotta catch them all, man. Every Every Good luck one. with that. Thanks. You got it. Well, there's only one thing left to do. Hey, Josh, as our guest, you want to do the honors? I'm gonna do the honors. Here it goes. This is me dropping the mic.